there, and we're going to be there over the next five weeks looking at a very familiar story to uh, maybe some of you. Uh, we'll talk about that here in just a few moments. This series is based on a book by a man named Dave Ferguson, and Dave Ferguson uh, and his brother John wrote this book called Finding Your Way Back to God, and it's a, a really great book, and so if you want to dive into this just a little bit further, you can actually go and grab that book and, and look at it and, and read it and digest it. I think it'll be really, really helpful for a lot of us, but if you have your Version Bible app, you can open that up as well. If you just click on events and then more, you can find Ridge Church right there. It should pop up for you, and all of today's scripture uh, will be right there for you, as well as some notes that you can take as well. And so as we uh, jump in this together for the next five weeks, what I want to do is we want to look at this story called the story of the prodigal son. And we're going to look at it from a couple of different angles uh, each week. And we're not going to look at every single aspect of it uh, in every single week. And so it'll be a little bit different uh, each week. So I hope that you'll be with us for the next five weeks as, as we do this together. But one of the things that I love most about this church is how I have been able to have a front row seat to be able to see the way that God orchestrates, puts together, and begins to draw people here and to himself. Not just here at the church, but the way that God just awakens himself to you and has awoken himself to, to others around you and how God has even used you to be able to help draw people and help awaken people to God himself. And so the stories that, that come out of this church and the stories that come out of here uh, always blow me away, and I'm always really just uh, in awe of the way that, that God puts those things together. And so if you think about your story, the way not just the way that you ended up here at the Ridge Church, but the way that, that God drew you into himself, the way that God saved you, the people that he used, the conversations that he spoke to you about, uh, other ways that, that he used to, to draw you in and awaken your heart to who he is and all of those things. I bet if you look at that story and I bet if you begin to, to um, just pay attention to it just a little bit. In fact, it would be a, a really fun exercise for you to maybe sit down a, a few minutes sometime this week, maybe even later today, and, and just begin to draw that out and, and write that out on a piece of paper so that you know what that looks like. But I bet that when you begin to, to put the pieces together, I bet you see some things that maybe you've never seen before. I bet you'll think about some conversations that you had that you've never really thought about before. Or some circumstances that happened that you, that you never thought about before. In fact, uh, I believe this, and we, we say this here at the Ridge all the time, is that I believe with all of my heart that you are here on purpose. I don't believe that, that any of you were on your way to Kroger this morning and was like, hey, there's a church, I think I'll stop in and hang out for a little while. Like, I don't think that that happened. Like, in fact, if you made it here today and you're here for the first time, like, you actually had to put something into a GPS in order to get here because you didn't know where this place was at. Like, I get that. I understand that. So kudos to you. You made it here. That's awesome. But, like, I believe you're here on purpose. But not only do I believe that you're, you're here on purpose, I believe that God has brought you here for a purpose. And I also believe this with all of my heart, I believe that you will leave with a greater purpose. I believe that, and because I believe that is a part of our story. And so if you look at your story and you start to piece those things together, uh, for me it's been fun to watch that, but for some of you it's not been too fun to live it. Amen? Like, like for some of you, like that journey to the way that God has awoken your heart and God has drawn you back in, like that, that has not been 
a lot of fun. But the good news is this, is that God has worked in your heart. God has done some things and he has brought you to a place that uh, he is going to continue to pour himself into you. And so one of the things that uh, I love about when I think about some of the stories is that uh, for many people, you, you showed up here and, and, and you got here and, and you've got some church background. Like you, maybe you grew up in church and you were going to church for a long time and then something happened. Like, like maybe there was a part of you that, that you looked at, at your experience with God and you looked at your experience with the church and you thought to yourself, there's something missing here. And, and, and then you began to look at the landscape of, of what was outside of that, and you looked at other things, and you said, that, that over there looks really good and really enticing and really fun. And so you detached from, from God in some ways, you detached from the church, and you attached yourself to, to something else. But somehow, some way, through uh, circumstances, conversations, people, and other things, God has reawoken himself to you, and, and you've shown up here. For others of you, there are multiple stories like this here at the Ridge where people have literally walked in these doors not believing that God even existed and have walked into these doors going, I, I don't believe that God, I don't believe that he's even real. But, but God miraculously has done exactly what he said that he would do, that he awoke their heart to himself and he shown himself to them and saved them and, and drew them and, and things have been completely different for them. I love sharing those stories and we've had multiple stories like that just over and over and over again. But when you look back and you start to connect the dots and, and, and see how God orchestrated these things, I bet that you could, what you'll find is you'll find that none of these things happened by accident. They didn't happen by chance. Um. I love, uh, I, I love this, this question because this question stretches us, I think. And so uh, when I get stretched, I love to just stretch you because I don't like to be the one to, who gets tortured up here by myself. And so I want to bring you into my misery. And so I, I like to ask these questions when I feel like God has given me these questions to wrestle with. I feel like I've got to give them to you to wrestle with as well. And so I want to ask you a couple of questions today. But one of the questions is, is simply this. Have you ever felt an emptiness inside of you so deeply that you thought, you know what, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Like, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than the life that, that, that I'm living. There's got to be more to, there's got to be more to God because for some of you, you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. You've been following Christ for a long time and, and, and you've been on this journey. But for some of you, you even find yourself in that place because you're asking yourself that question because your relationship with Jesus has grown stale in some ways. It's become predictable. And in other ways, dangerously, it has become comfortable. It has become comfortable. And so, you ever felt like there was something more? I bet, I bet that you have. I bet that you have. I know that I have, have felt that way. There's a guy that I, that I read about recently. His name is Glenn Wolfe. And Glenn Wolf has an interesting story. And one of the interesting stories about uh, Glenn Wolf is this, is that Glenn uh, has actually been married. Get this, he's actually been married 29 times. He actually holds the world record for being, not world record, the United States record, which tells you that in the world there's people who've been married more. But Glenn, Glenn has actually been married 29 times. Can you imagine that? Like 29 times. His longest marriage lasted for 19 
or I'm sorry, his shortest marriage lasted for 19 days. His longest marriage actually lasted for seven years. Congratulations to him. That's awesome, right? And so uh, that's, that's kind of crazy, right? But here's the other crazy thing. You, know, you want to know what his occupation is? Pastor. That's right. Glenn, Glenn Wolf is a pastor. I'm not going to tell you what denomination uh, he is a pastor of. Not that that matters. But he, uh, 29 times. And so you think to yourself, why, why, has, why has he been married this many times? Well, I think that one of the reasons why he's been married this many times is I, I think that the same, kind of the same thing exists within us. Glenn has a longing for love. He has a longing for love. He, he wants to love. He wants to, to be loved. And so he has this, this longing for love. And I think that these longings exist within all of us. I think that, that we all long to be loved. I think that we all long to, to love someone else. Now, I think that there are more longings that exist within, within us. I think there's a, a longing for, for purpose and, and meaning that exists within all of us. In fact, the longing for purpose, when I think about the longing for purpose, I was thinking about uh, how uh, growing up, um, people, and, you know, people may still ask you this question. I don't know. Some of you are still thinking about what you want to be when you grow up, and you're like 40. But, so uh, that's okay. Like, like I, I, there's, you know, anyway, th- never mind. So, like, Growing up, people would ask me, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would say, I want to be an NFL football player. <laughs> this frame cannot handle being an NFL football player, apparently. So that didn't happen, unfortunately. That did not happen, unfortunately. But like my wife and I, we ask our kids all the time, I was like, hey, what do you guys want to be when you grow up? And so our son, Isaiah, he says he wants to play in the NBA. And uh, we'll see. But like he says he wants to play in the NBA. And then my, my daughter, she says that she wants to be a ballerina. And I hate to break it to her. There's not a whole lot of money in that. So I hope that she marries rich. So anyway, <laughs> like, but we all have these longings. And it's a longing for purpose. And, and, and why do you, at, at five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, like why do, you, why do you even think about those things? It's because you, you have a longing for, for purpose. We all have that, that longing. We have longings for, for meaning. We want our lives to, to mean something. And so when you think about these longings, we, we all experience these. And I, and I believe, I believe that, that God, God has placed these within every single one of us. I believe that, that it's not an accident that we have these longings. I believe that, that God has placed these with, within all of us. But the problem isn't that we have these. Here's the problem. The problem is how we try to satisfy them. Because we all have them. But how do we try to satisfy them? How do we try to satisfy the longing for purpose? How do we try to satisfy the longing for meaning? How do we try to satisfy the longing for love and and to be loved? Well, in this story in Luke chapter 15, it's a very interesting story. And we actually see uh, what we're going to focus on today is we're actually going to focus on longing. The, the, the awakening to, to longing, because uh, in this story, what, let me give you a little context as to what's happening here. Jesus is, uh, he, he's been busy doing ministry, and Luke chapter 15 is a very familiar passage to some of you. You, you may know this, the, the story of the prodigal son, but even if you've never actually read the scripture and the story from the Bible of the prodigal son, you know this. Because it's all over culture. Like it's in movies, it's in songs, it's, in, it's just in our culture everywhere. And so maybe you've never actually heard this from the scripture, but you've heard it. Because it's the story of someone who has left home, messed their lives up, and has come back. 
And some of us know that story all too familiar because it's our story. And some of us know it very, very, very well because we're in the middle of that story. And so in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is, uh, he's talking and, and, and he's explaining and he's, he's doing these things called parables. And parables are just short stories. In fact, they're, they're made up stories that Jesus makes up to make a point or really to, I believe, just to, to paint a visual picture to get a point across. And that's what Jesus is doing. In fact, he's going to tell three stories. We're not going to look at all three of these today. Uh, but we will talk about each one of them a, a, in, a, in a little bit, and especially throughout this series. But Jesus, is, he's talking, and in, this won't be on the screen behind me here, but I'm going to read Luke 15, verse 1 and 2, because it really sets up the context for the reason why Jesus is telling these stories. Luke 15, verse 1, he says this, he says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Now, you stop right there and, and just think about this for a second where it says the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. If you can picture in your mind, Jesus is, is talking, and all of these people, it says tax collectors and sinners, meaning that people who were nothing like Jesus wanted to be around Jesus because they liked him. They liked him. And so they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. And, and we've said this often here as well, is that people who were nothing like Jesus, they liked Jesus, but... Jesus also liked them. Kind of crazy, right? Like they were nothing like one another. Jesus is a rabbi and a teacher. He's the, the son of God. He's God in the flesh. He's, he's nothing like them. But yet, they're drawn to him because they want to hear what he has to say. But there's another group of people that are also listening to Jesus. In fact, they're kind of like these spiritual referees who are always walking around with flags in their pocket, blowing their whistle every time Jesus did something. They're like, ah, you did something wrong. You can't do that. You can't say that. And in fact, because of stories like this, these are the things that will eventually have Jesus put to death on a cross. It says this. It says, and the Pharisees and the scribes, that's basically just religious, super, super religious church people and people who are looking at the law and going, watching Jesus' every move, and every time Jesus did something that seemed to be contrary to the law, we're like, ah, you can't do that. Pharisees and scribes, it says, it says, they grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And so, Jesus, in all of his Jesus-y ways, <laughs> Jesus hears that. And he's like, all right, I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. Because if you don't like what I've had to say yet, just wait. He's like, hold my manna and watch this. All right, so he says, he tells three stories. He, tell, he didn't say that, by the way. But he tells three stories. He tells three stories. But we're going to look at the third one, the story of the prodigal son, starting in verse 11. It says this. It says, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Verse 13, it says, Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And we had spent everything. A severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. 
But when he had come to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of the hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, he says, His father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and put shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And is found, and they began to celebrate. Will you take a moment and just pray with me for a moment? Father, I just want to thank you, God, for your word. God, we pray that in these next few moments, God, that you just open our hearts so that we can experience you, that we can hear you. God, that you speak deeply to us. And God, that you can just awaken us to yourself. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So Jesus tells this story, and he tells this story. There's actually a, an older brother. We're going to talk about him in a, a few weeks, and there's something going on with him that I, I think will speak deeply to, to many of us. But today we want to focus on just one piece of, of the younger son. And so it says that, that there are two brothers, and the younger son goes to the father and says, Dad, I don't really want you, but I want your stuff. I, 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 don't really, I don't really want you, but I, I would really like to have your stuff. And so essentially, in, in this culture, in the Jewish culture, what would have happened as Jesus is telling this story, everybody hearing this would have gasped. Because when the son went to the, to the father and said, I, I want my inheritance. You see, you didn't do that in this culture. The only way that you received the inheritance is when the father died. And so essentially what the son was saying to the father was, was, Dad, I really wish that you were just dead so I could just have my stuff now. And so the people listening to Jesus would have been like, <gasps> and the Pharisees and the scribes, they would have been sitting there listening to Jesus and they'd been like, all right, this is going to get so good. Like, this guy's going to get it. Oh, can't wait. And Jesus totally flips the script on them, though, which is what makes this story so, so scandalous in, in so many ways. But the son said to the, to the father, Dad, I, I, just, I don't really want you. I, I just want your stuff. And, and so what the father does in the story, it says that he gives him his inheritance. Now, most of the inheritance would have went to the, the older brother, but the, about a, a third of the inheritance would have went to the younger son. But you've got to think about this, too. Like, Just put this into context for a moment. For the father to give the son the inheritance, what would have had to have happened, it's not like he just said, hey, I've got all this cash and money and stuff stacked away, and I'm just going to give you this money. What he would have had to have done is he would have had to have given him property, he would have had to have given him livestock. He would have had to have given him possessions. And then it said that the son actually squandered all that. So he actually went and he sold these things off so that he could have the actual money. Now, I don't know about you, but like when I think about that, like I, I can't imagine anything more painful as a dad for my son to come to me and say, Dad, I don't really want you, but I just want your stuff. 
And I think about that, and I think about it for myself, and maybe even for some of you, and I I think that for many of us, there's been times in our lives where we have found ourselves in that place where it's like, you know what, I I, I like God, and but I, I don't know if I really want to put in the work and the obedience and, and, and the passion to serve him and to love him and, and to pursue him. But I'd really like his stuff. Like, I want his blessing. I want him to heal people that I love. I want to heal me when I get sick. And like, I really want his stuff, but I don't know if I really want him. I think for some of us, like, like we want just enough of God to feel safe. Or do we want all of him? I think there's good news for us if we've been in there and we, we see that in the story. But, but as, as Jesus does this, like, I don't want us to think ill of the son because as, as we hear this story, because we think, man, what a bad kid. Like, I'd knock that joker out. Like, if that was me, like, no, you can't. Like, right? Like, we shouldn't, we shouldn't think ill of the son because, again, is it possible that, that maybe we've done this as well? Don't we sometimes feel like that life isn't bringing us what we deserve? And so maybe we think to ourselves, you know what? I'll go get it for myself. And I think that's part of that longing. You see, the son, he had a longing. He had a longing for something that he didn't feel like he was getting from the father. And so he said, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to get it myself. And so it says that he, a few days later, that he went off to a, a distant country let's let's look at it again it says this it says not many days later the younger son gathered all that he had and he took a journey into a far country and it says there he squandered his property in reckless living and it says and when he had spent everything when he had spent everything so he really found himself in a place that he never wanted to be have you ever found yourself in a place that you never thought that you would be or never wanted to be see i think it's in these moments that when we, when we reach out for these other longings, we reach out for these other things and, and think to ourselves, you know what, this isn't giving me what I need. This isn't giving me what I want. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and try, I'm gonna try to find it myself. That's exactly what the son did. The son goes out and he, and he tries to find it himself. And you can kind of fill in the blank. It says that he lived his life recklessly. And, and maybe you can fill in the blank with the way that you've lived your life recklessly, the way that I've lived my life recklessly at different times. And so we, we fill these things up and we say, this over here, this will fulfill everything that I want. This will give me what I need. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's possessions. Maybe it's a job and a career and and other things but hear me when i say this this is this is this has been powerful for me is that anytime that we detach from god we will always attach to something else anytime that we detach ourselves from from the father we will always attach to something else to look for that longing to be fulfilled by something else. And here's the thing, like, because in your mind you might be thinking, well, I'm good because like, I've not really ever attached to like, bad things like drugs or addiction or pornography or you know, uh, relationships that were uh, not good or things like that. And, and may, you know, maybe that is the case for you, but hear me when I say this. Even detaching from God and attaching to things that seem to be good things, when we make those things good things, or when we take those th- things that are good things and we turn them into little G God things, they ultimately become things that we've made bad things. Does that make sense? Anything that are good things that we turn into little G God things, we make to be bad things. 
Is a job a bad thing? A job's not a bad thing, but when we turn it into a God thing, it becomes a bad thing. Possessions, is it okay to have possessions? Absolutely it's okay to have possessions. Is it okay to have money? Is it okay to have success? It's absolutely okay to have those things. But when we take those things and we elevate them over God and we say, this is my ultimate goal. This will fulfill everything that I've ever wanted. This will give me what I need. This relationship, this whatever. Then we turn that into a bad thing because we've tried to make it a little G God thing. And see, the thing is, is like we all have these longings from God. And we all, and we all, we all have these. But again, I, I go back to what I said before. The problem isn't that we have them. It's how we choose to satisfy them. And so the son decides to try to satisfy them by going and living recklessly in this wild living. And so it says that the son says a few verses later it says this verse 17 it says but when he came to himself now i love that because as jesus is telling this story like in my mind and especially when i put myself into that place in my mind it's almost as if god just begins to whisper to his heart and begin to tap on his heart much like he's done to you much like he might be doing to you right now where he's just saying there is more there is more but it's not found over here. It's not found in these things. Come home. Come home. And you see, for the son, is, it said that the, the son, it says that he was, he was uh, a pig farmer. And so in, in Jewish culture, like that would have been a really, really, really bad thing. Like you didn't hang out with pigs. You didn't touch pigs. In fact, if you did any of that, Jewish culture would have said, you are a complete outcast now. You're not allowed to be in the temple. You're not allowed to be around people. Like, like don't even come into town. In fact, it's, it was so bad for him, it said that he just wanted to be fed with the same things that the pigs were eating. That's how bad it had gotten. That's how rock bottom it was for the son. But yet God is whispering to his heart. God is saying to him, hey, come home. And so the son goes, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to write, I, I've got this speech. Dad, I know that I'm not allowed to be your son again. I know that I'm not allowed to be like back in the house again. But if I could just, if I could just be one of the hired servants. You have to understand that too. To be one of the hired servants was actually like just being a, a subcontracted worker for his dad. It's like it, 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 this wasn't even like coming home to to live in the house again. And he's like, but because I know my, my dad's not going to give me that. Like I just did. Like what I've done has been so bad. So if I could just be one of your hired servants, that's what I'll do. I'll go back to my dad and I'll, I'll say, Dad, if I, could just, if I could just be one of your hired servants, if you'll, if you'll just let me, just close enough so I could sort of kind of feel like I'm, I'm back in the house again. That, that, man, that'll be so much better than where I'm at right now. He said, so when he came to himself, and I think that what Jesus is doing there, Jesus is painting a picture of what repentance looks like. See, repentance is this word that we use in church a lot. We don't use it anywhere else, really. But repentance, all that means is to turn from our sin and, and to turn back to God. To turn away from and to turn to. And so it says when he came to himself, he turned away 
from what he was trying to fulfill these longings with. He turned away from the way that he was doing it, and he turned back to the Father. And it says, so that he began to, to go home. And as he began to, as he began to go home, I love this picture that Jesus paints. It says that, so while he was still a long way off. You know what Jesus is doing there? Is he's showing all of these people listening. Remember the tax collectors and the sinners and people who were far from God. And even the Pharisees and the scribes, even those people, Jesus is showing them. You know what he's doing? He's saying this. God sees you even when you feel like you're far off. And you know what? He's looking for you. That's why he tells these other two stories in the beginning. He tells a story about uh, a shepherd who has some sheep, and and one of the sheep, it it wanders off, and and so it says that he leaves the 99, and he goes and he finds the one. And then he tells a story about uh, a person who has a lot of coins, and one of the coins gets lost, and if you can picture in your mind, it's like having $100, and we've got $100 bills, and all of a sudden one of the dollar bills just goes missing, and For a lot of us, we look at that and be like, yeah, but I still got like 99. I don't need that one. But Jesus tells the story, he says, no, 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 no. The one is just as important as the 99. And so I'm going to go find the one. I'm going to do whatever it takes to find the one, and I'm going to bring it back. And then I love what happens in all three of these stories. It says that when the thing that was lost was found, there was rejoicing that took place. Why? Even in the story of the prodigal son, that when the son returns, it says that he throws this huge party. Well, why does any of that happen? Because God rejoices over things that were lost and found. He rejoices over the fact that, that as people who are far from him, people who have gone off and tried to fulfill longings with things that will never fulfill these longings that we have except for him, that, that when we are awakened back to him and he draws us back into himself, that he rejoices and celebrates over those. And sort of just a side note, I think this is just really important, but just a, a side note, simply this, is that um, you didn't find Jesus, he was never lost. He's been looking for you because he loves you. Because he loves you. It says, so while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. And it says that he ran to him and met him, which is another thing. Like the people listening to this story just would have been like, what? Dads don't run. Dads don't run. Like dads sit in the recliner and go, hey, servant, run for me right? Dads don't run. Like, you just didn't do that. But this dad, uh, there's two things. It says, one, he saw him while he was still a long way off, which says that he was looking for him. He was waiting for him. And then the other thing I think that it says is, is simply this, and I hope that this helps so many of you, is that the father met him where he was. The father didn't wait for the son to come home and like start peeking in the windows and tapping on doors and being like, maybe if I just like slip in and go into my room and lay down in the bed and we'll just kind of act like nothing happened. Like maybe we can just kind of do that. Like that didn't happen. It says that the father ran to him and he met him, he embraced him, and he kissed him. And then the 
the party begins. Let me ask you this question. To satisfy the longings that you have, to satisfy the longings that I have, where will you go to satisfy them? Will we run to God? As God runs to us, will we turn and go go to, to God or will we run from Him? Will we draw closer to God or will we search for them to into things that will draw us away from God? See, I, I believe that regardless of where you are you see some of you some of you are are here this morning and and you feel very distant from God you feel distant from God and yet there are others of us in the room and you've been walking with Jesus for a long time and as i said earlier there's part of your relationship that feels distant that feels stale that feels predictable that feels comfortable I think those are dangerous places for us to be no matter where we are in those places. So we all have these longings, these longings for love and for purpose and for meaning and and for more. So will we run to God or will we run from God? In the story as Jesus sort of gets into the next part of the story, begins to tell the story about the older brother. And again, we'll talk about that in in a few weeks. And I think that that will actually speak to a lot of us as well, because the older brother kind of has some issues with the the younger brother. And um, it's kind of some issues of grace and understanding and and things like that. But in even that, here's here's sort of just as we're coming to a close this morning and wrapping things up, the, the father... Jesus, as he tells this story, he's painting this picture for people to, to see and to understand that, you know what, even when you're a long way off, God loves you. Like, he desires you. He wants a relationship with you. And he will draw you into himself. So even where you are right now, when you think about your relationship with God, if you feel far off from him, understand that he is looking for you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to put the robe around you. He wants to put the shoes on your feet. He wants to put the ring on your finger that says, you are mine and I am yours. These longings that we have, they can be uh, filled in other ways for a season. But just like the sun, they won't satisfy They won't satisfy. Only God will. Only a relationship with the Father will. So here's what I want to do. I actually want to challenge you with a couple of things this morning. And a couple of them are going to be a little uncomfortable for some of you. I think the first challenge is actually easier than than the rest. The first challenge is simply this. is for the next five weeks, I just want to challenge you to be here. Just to, to be here, to, to dive into this, this series with us and, and to, to make it a point. It's 2018. It's a brand new year. It's the first Sunday in the year. Here's great news. You're here today. You have perfect attendance for the year already. That's awesome, right? So don't mess it up, right? So we would love for you to, to just to do your best to, as much as possible, best as possible, to, to be here for the next five weeks. I believe that if, if you're here for the next five weeks, like this will become something that, that God just begins to speak into you with and, and that you'll see God do things in your life that, that maybe 
you've not experienced before. And that's my hope and prayer. So that's, that's one challenge. Another second part of the challenge is, is this, is we've put together a, a devotional uh, out of this book that we want to send you every single week. So, um, and we'll send it to you via email. So here's, here's what you can do. If you want to get that, just take your Connect card right now. And on your Connect card, make sure you put your email address down. Make sure you put your first name down at the very least. Uh, if, if you're a chicken scratcher, like legibly would be great. That would help us out a whole lot. But on the back of the Connect card where it says comments, just put, I would like to have that devotional emailed to me. And we will email it to you. In fact, we'll, we'll put that in on Monday, and you'll get the first email on Monday. And it'll go right along with each one of the messages from this series. And so we would love for you to take that journey with us. And, and if you want to, actually, right there in your YouVersion app, if you've got that open, we've got a link there that you can follow. Just click the links and, and uh, follow the instructions there, and you can sign up for it there. Or go to our website, click on Messages, Finding Your Way Back to God, and you can sign up for that there. One more challenge, one more challenge. And I think that this... This part is the one that might be most uncomfortable. It's a prayer. So I want to challenge you to pray this. I'm going to do this, and I hope that you will do this. Whether you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, not sure if you believe who he is even. I think that this is something that will do amazing things. Not, not, not the, the act of the prayer, but I believe that God through this can, can do this in us. And so it's a simple prayer. It's this. Pray this. God, if you're real, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Pray that. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. And again, you might be thinking to yourself, well, I know that God is real. Like, I have a relationship with Jesus. Like, I, I don't need that. But what if you prayed that part? God, make yourself real to me. And what if God revealed himself and showed himself to you in a way that you've never experienced him before in your life? What would this new year be like? Or maybe for you, you're not real sure if you even believe that God is who he says he is. You, maybe, maybe you've never um, given your life over to Christ through salvation. and Maybe that's a first step for you this morning. Would you pray that prayer? God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. And here's what I believe. I believe that if we ask God to make himself real to us and reveal himself to us in a deeper way, believe that he will and i believe that we'll experience him in a way that that we never have before and so again I'm, I'm gonna pray that i hope that you'll pray that with us a guy by the name of blaze pascal he uh this prayer actually comes from him he he would challenge people with that that same prayer but he would say this he would say if if god is real if god is real then you have everything to gain but if he's not you have nothing to lose. If God is real, you have everything to gain. But if he's not, you have nothing to lose. And so for you, maybe prayer is not something that is a part of your regular routine. And wouldn't it be great to begin 2018 by making that a part of your regular routine? In fact, coming up here in a couple of weeks when we finish this series, we're going to do a, a short series on prayer. We're going to talk about prayer and how, how we do it and how we can have a, a more, uh, a, a deeper and flourishing prayer life together. So as we finish our time up together, I want you to imagine this for a moment. What would it be like if you could stop searching for love and purpose and meaning and things that continue to let you down and begin to allow God to fulfill those in you 
and for you through himself. Through himself. I believe that he can, and I believe that he will. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. God, we thank you for how you challenge us and how you speak deeply to us. God, we pray that in these last few moments uh, together in this room uh, this morning, God, that you do just that, that you speak deeply to our hearts. God, for some of us, it just takes a whisper. For others of us, God, it takes you screaming into us to remind us that you love us, God, that you'll meet us where we are, and God, that whatever we've attached ourselves to to try to fulfill longings within us that you've put within us, God. God, would you just, as we search our hearts, God, as you search our hearts, God, would you just call those out to us so that we know, Father, that maybe we've detached from you and attached ourselves to other things that will never give us what you can give us, will never give us the love that you can give us will never give us and fulfill the purpose and meaning for our lives the way that you can. And God, just give us the courage to lay these at your feet. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, would you stand to your feet? We're going to sing a song together here as we uh, close our time together this morning. But we want you to continue to 